This is The Mudroom, uncommon sense parenting classes with your parenting coach, Alana Robinson. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mudroom, our weekly free Uncommon Sense parenting class. How is everyone today? I am bringing up an oldie but a goodie today. For those of you who don't know, during the month of June, we are bringing up some old episodes out of the archives to revisit them for some of you who are newer listeners and may not have had a chance to go and re-listen to four years worth of podcasts. And this one is an oldie. This was like the fourth or fifth episode ever uploaded to the Mudroom podcast. So it's got some age on it. (laughs) But this topic is still, after four years, the number one episode both on the podcast and it gets the most traffic on my blog. So I hope that you find it informative. And as always, if you have any questions, come and join us in the Parenting Posse Facebook group so we can talk them through with you. Have a great day and I will see you in July for some new Uncommon Sense parenting content. So what is our topic today? There's a little bit of a backstory to today's topic. Every day in the Parenting Posse, which is my free peer support Facebook group, if you're not a member, absolutely go join. We have a daily prompt and it gets posted every day, every weekday. I find that they help us to get to know each other's members and it gives kind of a low barrier of entry way for new members to start posting. So last Tuesday, the prompt was, what does your child do that's irritating you? And a member, Caitlin, responded that her son keeps hitting himself and she doesn't get what when he doesn't get what he wants. Um, and she doesn't get <laughs> why he's doing that. And it was really driving her up the wall because it didn't make any sense to her. And I've kind of talked about this in like dribs and drabs with various members since I opened the group in 2014, but I wanted to do an actual class on it because it's not a topic that we discuss really openly generally. And I want to put an end to that. Usually when parents observe their kids self-harming, they're ashamed or they feel like they're doing something wrong, so they tend not to talk about it. But there's a reason that little kids, and we're talking toddlers and preschoolers here, self-harm. And once you see it for what it is, it's a pretty easy fix in the grand scheme of things. All right, so generally how this plays out, you're giving your child a direction or you're denying them something that they want or you're trying to get them to do something for you, right? You're trying to get them to make a transition, and usually they start by refusing. Then they escalate to screaming. And finally, they escalate to self-harming by hitting themselves, biting themselves, headbutting the wall, scratching themselves, etc. And kids can get pretty creative about this. What you may have observed is that over time, the precursor behaviors, the refusal and the screaming diminish, and then they skip straight to self-harm. And if your child has ever done this, drop me a hands up emoji or an eye in the comments. Let's be really open about this. 
Nobody is judging you here. Hey, Kristen. So the first thing that we need to understand about self-harm is this. For young children, this is a sensory strategy. What happens when you get upset? For me, my heart starts to pound. I don't like I can hear it in my ears. I get very, very cold or very, very hot, depending on whether I'm sad or mad. My throat goes dry. I get a lot of pressure behind my eyes. My stomach clenches, my teeth clench. And nine times out of 10, I have the urge to hit something. And that's how extreme anger or sadness manifests itself in my body. That's how it physically feels to me. Now imagine that feeling in a little kid of two or three or four. That would be pretty overwhelming, wouldn't it? And as a toddler or a preschooler who still doesn't have that really strong emotional control area of executive functioning, or in the case of a one-year-old, doesn't have any executive functions yet, it could easily be overwhelming to the point where you don't know how to cope. So when this happens with auditory input, when there's a cacophony of sound that you can't escape and it's overwhelming to the point where you can't cope, you scream. Because the sound coming from your own body is always going to be louder than anything else around you. So it's going to drown it out. That's why moms have such a hard time stopping yelling when their kids are all like talking over each other with demands and you're trying to focus on all these competing voices. Not just because yelling gets everyone's attention, which it does, and not just because it makes you louder than everybody else, which it also accomplishes, and not just because it shows that you really mean business, which is also a reinforcing factor, but because on an auditory sensory level, it's the only way to cope. When you yell as loud as it is to everyone else, it's even louder in your own ears. It creates an overwhelming singular sound to focus on. And that gives you relief from all the competing sounds that were assaulting you before. This is why when young children are learning to soothe themselves to sleep, they often scream themselves to sleep. It's called audio filtering. You can drown everything else out so that you can focus your mind on one thing. It's why white noise is so helpful for inducing sleep. Hey, Madeline. So same concept, only take it out of the auditory and apply it to the physical. When we're feeling so many conflicting things in our bodies, including shame, because most kids know that they aren't supposed to be reacting this way. And the fact that they feel the physical manifestations of those emotions, even though they're trying to control them and react appropriately, causes more emotions and physical manifestations of those emotions, and it's a self-perpetuating cycle. The instinct is to create one overwhelming physical sensation to focus on and to drown everything else out. So for instance, if I'm feeling fiery rage and my throat is dry, which is like the worst feeling in the world, and I have pressure behind my eyes and my gut is clenching and my teeth are clenching, and I've got the urge to hit something, but I know that I'm not supposed to hit something, I might bite my cheek so hard that I make myself bleed. Or I might smack myself in the face. Or I might bite my arm really hard. Because then 
I'm focused on the actual pain versus all those psychosomatic symptoms that are overwhelming me. And since there's only one thing to focus on, I'm then able to focus and calm myself down. Does this make sense? It's the same reason, obviously more extreme, as teenagers who cut themselves. So obviously we don't want it to get to that stage. We want to nip this in the bud before it gets that far. So what can we do about it? If your child is doing this, what can you do to nip it in the bud before they become that teenager who's cutting themselves? The first thing is to give them something that they're allowed to do to express those feelings, that frustration or that overwhelm. This is why I have a punching bag in my basement. (laughs) Because I feel the need to hit something when I'm angry. And obviously there's very few things that are acceptable to hit. But a punching bag is one of them. My sons don't fall very far from the tree either. They're also a bit slap happy. So they use it too. If your child is a biter, you might want to grab them a really firm chewy tube. Or if they're a head butter, redirect them to their mattress or a pillow. Try to look at what they're already doing and figure out how you can allow them to do that in a socially acceptable way. The second thing is to work on their emotional emotional control executive skills. Now I'm getting a dry throat because it's dry in here. There's so many ways to do this, and I have a whole unit with over 40 games, activities, and interactions in the Brain Skills Play Blueprint, which is my flagship program. But since enrollment for that is currently closed, there are some nuggets in my scrimps, scripts <laughs> for managing crazy making behavior from that section. And you can grab those by going to prnt.link slash scripts, and it's linked in the description. The third thing is to give them the words. Give them a script to help them express and to communicate to you what it is that they're feeling and what they're overwhelmed by. For my kids, that's, Mama, I'm over it. When I hear I'm over it come out of my kid's mouth, I know that my kids are like just about ready to blow and I need to either back off, give them some space, or to redirect them. Kind of like a code phrase. I don't use I'm sad or I'm mad or I'm upset or I'm overwhelmed because typically those things are things that your kids will say to others. And if the other people don't react how you react when they're just having everyday conversations, it's going to be confusing and possibly even more upsetting to them. So I'm over it is what I've taught my kids to say when they're just done. And when I'm giving them coping strategies and I'm working on their emotional control, that's how we talk about it. These things help when we're sad, angry, or over it. (laughs) And I find that it helps them distinguish between, you know, run-of-the-mill sadness, run-of-the-mill frustration or anger, and that hitting the wall overwhelmed feeling. I know that as a parent, if your child does this, you're probably panicking (laughs) right now because this is scary. But the best thing that you can do is meet this head on and pour on the support now because it's fairly easy to tackle it when they're little. Give them some coping methods, keep on the emotional support, 
teach them how to ask for help, and continue to support that open communication and open exchange of emotion. If they do self-harm, redirect them in a safe way to express themselves and model being gentle with their bodies. If we front load them with these skills so that we never go down that scary path when they're older and have way more resources open to them that can do real harm, we're really going to help cut this off at the knees. And of course, if you're ever worried about your child's ongoing mental health, the best person to talk to is a healthcare professional. Never be ashamed of reaching out and asking for help and don't shut up until someone listens because your kids are absolutely worth it. So I won't keep you guys any longer. I hope that you learned something. And if you're watching, I'd love for you to give this video a thumbs up. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, I would love it if you would rate and subscribe. Let others know what you think. If you aren't a member of the Parenting Posse, I would love it if you would join us. You can do that by going to my Facebook page and clicking on the Join Group button, which is up at the top. Okay, does anybody have any questions before I head out? I think that's it. Oh, Madeline has a question. Okay, can you explain more about why your kids say I'm over it? That's their way of telling you that they're about to blow? Yes, Madeline. So if my son goes out into the world, he goes to kindergarten, let's say, and he says to, and I've taught him to say that, you know, I'm mad, I'm angry, as an indication that he's just like so done, so done, right? We know that feeling of I just, I cannot cope anymore, and I'm D-O-N-E done. And so if I've taught him to say, I'm mad or I'm angry or I'm frustrated when he's feeling that way, most people aren't going to read that as an extreme emotion, right? They're going to read it as, okay, you're, you're mad, you're frustrated. Okay, well, what can we do when we're mad? We can stomp our feet, right? He's past that at that point. He's not stomping his feet and screaming into a pillow, we're not going to do it for him anymore. He's done. He's going to hit a wall. He's so overwhelmed that he cannot cope and he needs a lot more support than screaming into a pillow. So for my kids, the indication that they're approaching that limit is I'm over it. I've had other kids who just say, I'm done. And that's cool too. I've had other people who are like, uh, I had one little boy who had a really cool saying, but it's completely escaping me right now. Um, damn it, I can't remember it right now. But it doesn't really matter what it is, as long as you can kind of say to a caregiver or a teacher, if he says he's over it, like that's where, that's the limit. Over it is the limit for him. And for him, if he's like, we're in a public situation, we were at a birthday party the other night, and he came to me and he was like, mommy, I'm getting over it. And I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> right? That's, that wasn't a, oh, that wasn't the time for me to be like, okay, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Or, oh, would you like some cake? Or, oh, do you just want to sit on my lap? No, no, no. He was over it. He was done. So we were going to go right now. Let's go. Let's get your shoes on. Let's go. So that's why I have that kind of extra emotion for him. There's sadness, there's anger, there's frustration, and there's being over it. I hope that explained it. 
Caitlin says my kid was going to bed at this time. Oh, that's okay, Caitlin. There's going to be a replay and it'll be uploaded to the podcast. Um, Madeline said, got it. They're telling you they're, that they're at their wit's end. Yeah. And that, that was it. <laughs> I worked for the little boy and he would say that. He would say, I'm at my wit's end. And that's exactly it. He had, yeah, his family was British. And that's, I was like, damn it. What is that saying? Um, so that, yes, you're right. That would be a self-monitoring thing, but it would also be an emotional control thing because he's getting to that point where he is going to lose his emotional control. So he's holding it together, right? That's his indication to me that I'm holding it together, but my grip on that is slipping, right? That was a great question. My kid yells, bye. That's a great thing. You know, if if you can communicate that to a caregiver or to a kindergarten teacher where you're like, they're like, hey, so he just yells bye and like leaves the room. You're like, yeah, that's when he's going to lose it. That's great, right? As long as you have a way to differentiate like run-of-the-mill anger, sadness, and frustration from hitting the wall. Yeah, I love that. Bye. <laughs> okay. So that, I think, is it for me this evening. And I will see you again next week for another Uncommon Sense Parenting class. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Have a great evening. Bye. You've been listening to The Mudroom, Uncommon Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us on social. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.